Active FM presents Food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Anston. Right, we're continuing with our series Fructify, and um, we're carrying on with uh, what we started last week, talking about faithfulness, and the, the sermon today is entitled, How do I repair the trust I've broken? How do I repair the trust I've broken? You know, when I've broken trust with people, how do I repair that trust? And there's only one way to repair trust with people that you've broken, and that is to be faithful. Um. You can do whatever you want, however you want it, how, how long you want to do it, um, in whichever way you want to. If you're not faithful, you will not repair the trust that you've broken. You know, God is awesome and He's super forgiving. And um, He did such an incredible thing when He sent the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son, to die on the cross for us. And yet, um, people are not like that. People are not like God. In fact, we can't complain about that because we are the same as people because we are people. And therefore, when, when we've messed up with them, we have, to, we have to get to a place whereby we come and we admit, hey, I'm wrong. We have to admit that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I say or what I do, I can't make this thing right. And all I can give you is an apology and all I can give you is repentance. And if I repent, then what happens from that moment on is that I become faithful where before I was unfaithful. Now, just think about Moses' sister Miriam, who we spoke about last week. She and Aaron came and they started speaking against Moses, saying, who does this Moses think he is that God only speaks through him? And the next thing is in Numbers 12 verse 8, God said to them, I speak to him, and this is talking about Moses, I speak to him face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? And yeah, we have a situation where the leader was being criticized because um, people under, under him thought that he thought he was too big. And no one could speak against Moses, though, because he was faithful. And because he was faithful, he experienced something that the faithful will experience even today. The faithful see God face to face. And the faithful are protected by God. In Numbers 12, verse 9 to 11, it says, The Lord was very angry with them, with them this being Miriam and, and Aaron, and he departed. And as the cloud was moved above the, tab the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for the sin that we have so foolishly committed. And so now all of a sudden, who does Moses think he is? And all of a sudden, Aaron is shouting, Master. It's amazing how terms for people can change when we get into trouble. And I want to tell you that if you're unfaithful, if you're arrogant, and any of those sorts of things, it's only a matter of time before you get into trouble. If you think that you can do life without God, it's only a matter of time before you're going to get into trouble. And then in verse 12 it says, don't, be, don't let her be like a stillborn baby, already destroyed, sorry, already decayed at, at, at birth. And so look at what Moses does. And this is very important, he forgives. I want you to think about how hurtful it would have been for him to find out how his sister and his brother, who were both older than him, who were supposed to have looked after him, would have 
uh, how it would have made him feel to realize that they were speaking against him like this. You see, Moses had had other people speaking against him. At times, him and Aaron had both had people speaking against them. But now it was coming from within his inner circle. It was coming from within his family. And now he had to forgive them. He had to let it go. And it wasn't like they'd come there repentant. It wasn't like they'd come there looking for a sorry. Aaron's only crying out because of the fact that Miriam's now got, got leprosy. In other words, Aaron's crying out of a selfish motive and out of desperation. It's not, it's not as if they, 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 they're mortally sorry about what they've done. They're just now deathly afraid because they realized they, they thought they were chirping about Moses, but they were actually slapping God in the face. And um, Moses, with all of this, he could have held a lot of issues. And I want to ask you this morning, you know, what issues are you holding? Because if you're holding issues, you're unfaithful. I promise you now, as sure as what I'm standing here today, if you have unforgiveness, you're unfaithful. Moses could have said, oh, really? So now, Miriam and Aaron, like, you guys thought that you were so awesome. Oh, you guys thought that you were ahead of yourselves, didn't you? Oh, look where you are now. Look at your situation now. Moses didn't do that. In verse 13 it says, So Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, I beg you, please heal her. You see, Moses was faithful. He was faithful even when people had wronged him. And in verse 14 it says, But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So keep her outside the camp for seven days, and after that she may be accepted back. So Miriam gets back. Because of the very guy she was speaking against. And you know, sometimes, if you're out of the camp of God, sometimes the only way you're going to get back in is to get back into the very person you've spoken against. God has a covenant with a faithful one. As I said last week, you may not even have known that Miriam was speaking against him like this, yet God was protecting him. And Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps His covenant for a thousand generations. Listen to that. He keeps His covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes His unfailing love on those who love Him and obey His commands. And Galatians 5.22 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Now, faithfulness is the seventh part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, from last week, faithfulness is the seed of the future. If you want to have a future, have faithfulness. Unfaithfulness wants the fruit now. But faithfulness invests in the future. Faithfulness is a lifestyle. It's a way of life. You can't be a little bit unfaithful. You're either totally faithful or you're totally unfaithful. Luke 16 verse 10, Jesus said, He who is faithful in what is least is, is faithful also in much. But he who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. And then the last point, faithfulness is an investment into your life. It's an investment into your future. If you are unfaithful, you are stealing from your future. You are robbing from the future to give your pleasures gratification right now. But faithfulness sacrifices now. Faithfulness is prepared to, to sacrifice now for the future. Faithfulness means you are prepared to be unhappy. The Bible says that the faithful one is abundant in all aspects of life. And so, 
if you have got a situation where people don't trust you anymore because you've been unfaithful, the only way to turn that around is to become faithful. And so we, we said there were seven points. We carry on with our fourth one today. The faithful one receives the deposit of all the blessings. Now I want you to, to realize that God has so many blessings for you. God has this big basket upstairs, up there in heaven, up there in the spiritual realm. There are so many blessings He wants to lavish on your life. But the faithful ones receive the deposit from God of all of the blessings. The faithful ones receive all the blessings. The Lord withholds nothing from them. God promised that all the blessings exist in the faithful one. In other words, they're already in you. And by faith you bring them out. And the thing about these blessings is they just keep coming and coming and coming because God deposits His blessings in the faithful ones. Listen, I want you to realize when you go and you study the teachings of Jesus, time and time again, Jesus would make a distinction between those who are faithful and those who are unfaithful. If you were to go and read the first few chapters of the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, you will, you will see that uh, it starts off with the letters to seven churches, and those letters are all letters coming from Jesus to the seven churches. And time and time again, you'll see Jesus saying to those churches, those who are faithful until the end will receive the prize. The apostle Paul said that he has left everything else behind, and he is pressing on toward the goal, towards the, the, the prize that Jesus has, has, has set for him. And so that talks about being faithful to the end, being faithful to the very end of your life, because God's going to keep depositing those blessings in your life, and the blessings go into eternity. So, if you look at the faithful ones, they receive the deposit of all the blessings. That deposit is placed inside of them, even if you can't see it yet. And the problem is when it's deposited inside of them, it's like when a seed has been planted. You don't see it at first. And then later on, you see a little thing that looks insignificant that begins to grow out of the ground. Until maybe it could be many years later, you see a giant oak tree with um, you know, acorns and all sorts of things coming off it and, and stuff like that. And it becomes one of the biggest trees around. But it starts off as a seed planted in the ground, and at first you see nothing. But in due course, if we are faithful, we will reap a harvest. And so I want you just to think about that and just, you know, begin to, to analyze your life because the fifth truth of faithfulness is a very important one. And this is a point that we don't often like. The faithful one is patient. Proverbs 28 verse 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. I want you to look at what that says again. It says, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Now, why would someone who hastens, in other words, someone who hurries to be rich, why will they not go unpunished? Because if you're doing it in a way that God hasn't designed, you're doing it in sin. And the same as a faithful man will abound in blessings is a promise, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished is also a promise. God is giving us a prophecy over our future. And the faithful man is, is ready to, 
to wait is, is ready for or she's ready for God's timing. And here's the thing, and this is very important. The opposite of the faithful one is the one who is hurried. The opposite of the faithful one is the one who is impatient. The opposite of the faithful one is the one who doesn't wait for the wrong time, for the right time, sorry. The one who doesn't wait for the right time. You know, it doesn't matter what you look at in life. The Bible talks about seasons. There's, there's seasons where things come into your life. If you are led by God, He will bring seasons into your life. And the key thing about God is, is He's saying that you need to have the patience to wait for the season. You see, if you don't have the patience to wait for the season, then at the end of the day, you don't have faith. Because you're not getting what you want now. And maybe you're thinking you're never going to get it. And maybe you're thinking that God's never going to come through. And so you become impatient and you start hastening. You start making your own plans. You start doing your own things to get what you want when you want it now. You're not willing to wait. You're not willing to let God's timing come to fruition. And remember Hebrews 11 verse 6 speaks to the fact that without faith it is impossible to please God. And so the very best thing that we can say if we are not patient is that we don't have faith, which means God is not pleased. And patience is the mother of all virtues. I'm telling you now, if you do not have patience, you are not faithful. If you do not have patience, then many of the other things that come from the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you do not have in your life. They don't exist in your life. And many are unfaithful because of impatience. I want you to think about why so many people are not faithful to wait until marriage in the area of sex. They're not faithful to wait until marriage in the area of sex because they're impatient. They're not willing to wait for God's timing. And they believe that they can do it better. And when I was growing up, and we even see it today, the faithful ones, the ones who were faithful to their sexuality were mocked. And yet, when I look at the lives of those who were not patient, those who did not wait, they have all sorts of challenges, and, 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 and in many instances, they have a whole lot of circumstances that, that have led to a lot of bitterness in their lives. The faithful one knows how to wait on God. The faithful one knows how to wait on God and get up and pray. The faithful one knows how to wait on God and to read the Word. And the faithful one knows how to wait on God and says, Lord, I'm not moving until you tell me to move. Even if I never move, Lord. Even if this blessing, even if the promised child as what happened with Abraham, even if they never come, I'm not moving unless you tell me to move. The faithful one is patient. The sixth truth about, patient, about faithfulness is that the faithful one is rich before having money. I want to say that to you again. The faithful one is rich before having money. I know that in our nation, many, many people are... Um, frustrated and flustered and they're tormented because they say they don't have money and they say they are poor. Well, if you want to say that you are poor, go ahead. Speak that curse over your life. Go ahead. Say that curse every single day, left, right and center. Don't stop saying the curse. Say it as much as you want. But I want to tell you, when you say we the poor or you say I'm poor or you say I don't have enough or you say this and that, you are cursing your life. You are cursing your future. And you are showing that you don't have patience. I want to tell you that if you are faithful before Almighty God, 
You're not rich because you have money. You are rich before you have money. The unfaithful are in a hurry to be rich. They are going to do all sorts of things to be rich. And if you listen to much of the politics that happens in our nation today, it is people that are in a hurry to be rich. And I'm talking about people of all political persuasions. I'm talking about people from all people groups in our nation. They're in a hurry to be rich. The faithful one is rich before they have money. So the bank account might be low, but they're rich already. And many make the mistake of thinking that their wealth is outside of them. You know, your bank account is not inside you. You may have a wallet inside your pocket, and inside there you may have a bank card. And you might think that that bank card makes you rich. It's not the bank card that makes you rich. It's not the wallet that makes you rich. If you are faithful, you are rich before you have money. Because the wealth doesn't come from outside you. The truth is, we are our biggest treasure. I want to say that to you again. We are our biggest treasure. We are our richness. We are our wealth. Your prosperity is in your faithfulness. Your prosperity is hidden in your faithfulness. And that's why, if you're not faithful, you won't find it. And you know what? You could become a billionaire or even a trillionaire. You could have so much money that, you know, a state I heard this week that if you had a trillion rand, you know that you could spend a billion rand every month and you'd never run out of money. Okay? Think about how much money that is. And let me tell you something. If you don't realize that you are your biggest treasure and that your richness is inside of you, you are poor with a, with, a, with a trillion rand. The faithful one understands this principle. Their prosperity is not in their checkbook. It is in their heart. Your prosperity is in your faithfulness. So, how trustworthy are you? In Matthew 24, verse 45 and 46, Jesus says this, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master has made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find doing so. I want you to think about what that's saying there. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? So Jesus is talking from the perspective of God. This is how God looks at you. So who is the faithful and wise servant? In other words, faithful and wise means if you're not faithful, you're not wise. If you're not faithful, you lack wisdom. Who is a faithful and wise servant? Whom his master made ruler over his household. So you want God to give you authority? You want God to put you in charge? Well, he says here that the master made ruler. The master made the faithful one the ruler. If you want to become a ruler on behalf of God, if you want to rule from a perspective of the kingdom of heaven, then God says you've got to be faithful. And he says, whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. In other words, the master says, right, there is the source of food. I've paid for that source. I'm making you the ruler. Your job is not to walk there and boss everyone around. Your job is to give them food in due season. I want you to realize when you're coming to church, are you the ruler or are you just sitting in a chair? Are you sitting there at home if you're at home? Are you the ruler or are you just sitting in a, church, in a chair? Because the one that God makes the ruler in his house is faithful to give them food in due season. And then it says in verse 46, 
Blessed is that servant when his master, when he comes, will find in doing so. In other words, if you're not doing so, <laughs> you're not blessed. And, and here's the important thing. Faithful servants are faithful in little things. <laughs> you know, when, 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 when my ship comes in, oh, then I'm going to be faithful. When I win the lotto, you know, when you do X, Y, and Z for me, then I'll be faithful. You know, when, when you meet this set of criteria, then I will fulfill my responsibilities. Do you know that God says that you must fulfill your responsibilities irrespective of what other people are doing? Irrespective of whether they're in the right or not. Irrespective of whether they're faithful or not. You know that someone else's unfaithfulness is no excuse for you being unfaithful? You can't, you're not going to be able to stand there before God one, one day and God says, Why were you unfaithful? You know, because God will speak like that. Have you seen the movies? He always speaks with a deep voice and it echoes. Why were you unfaithful? And then you say, no, it was Pete over there. God's going to say, for Pete's sake, man, get out, of my, get out of my kingdom. Get out of my kingdom. God is looking for people who are faithful to give them everything. Faithful people are the ones to whom God gives the keys to the kingdom. And when God finds a faithful man, he will put him over all the riches. That's what that's what Jesus promises. Jesus promises that many times in the, the New Testament. And then the seventh truth about faithfulness is that faithfulness is the password to enter heaven. Heaven is heaven of the faithful ones. I really want you to hear what I'm telling you right now. If you read the, the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, on a continuous basis, Jesus says to the churches, they who are faithful to the end will receive the reward. Alright? Heaven is the heaven of the faithful ones and hell is the hell of the unfaithful ones. I want you to listen and it's a very scary parable. It's slightly different to one in Luke but the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25 where you know there were three servants. The one's given five talents, the other one's given two, and the one's given one talent. And the Bible says according to their ability. And then what happens is that, is that the master goes away for a long time. When the master comes back, the one he gave five to, comes back and says, Master, he has the five, and he has five more. I doubled it. The one he gave two to says, Master, you gave me two, he has another two. And then the one he gave one talent to, he gave in accordance with his ability came back and says, ah, I knew you to be a harsh man. I, I knew you to, sow, to, to reap where you do not sow. In other words, you take what doesn't belong to you. In other words, you use people. That's what the servant is saying. And I knew you were hard. I knew that there's no way that uh, I can please you. So I was afraid. I was so scared of what you would do to me if I lost this coin. So I hid the coin. I just dug it up. And yeah, because I'm so afraid, here's your coin. And, and um, the Lord wasn't happy with him. Look at what the Lord says to the other servants in Matthew 25 verse 21. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. All right? 
First of all, you have to understand. You've got sin, therefore you have to give your life to Jesus. And we've spoken so much about the cross and about the blood of Jesus and how the blood of Jesus will wash your sin away. And a big part of your sin is unfaithfulness. And that unfaithfulness needs to be washed away by the blood of Jesus. But there has to be repentance. You have to change. God puts you in trials to test what you will do. God puts opportunities and talents into your hands to test what you will do. He wants to see your faithfulness. And what Jesus is talking about there is that faithfulness speaks of going to heaven. You know at the end of that parable, Jesus says that that one, one, one uh, talent guy, the talent gets taken from him and gets given to the others. And that then that one talent guy will be cast out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I really want you to think about that for a second. That is very serious. The, the faithful one will be outside where there are tears and pain. And this much I do know, you know, you can be saved. But you can be on the outside of all of the blessing of God. You can be on the outside of all of the presence of God, of all of the joy of God, of all of the love of God, of all of the peace of God. You can be on the outside of all of that stuff where there are tears and pain. The unfaithful one is outside. Now, I do believe it's possible to be the unfaithful one and to be saved. It's not easy and you're in great danger if you do that. You're playing with fire. But you know, you can be outside and in tears and in pain. And yet be saved. The Lord says, enter into the joy of the Lord, which is paradise. In hard times, you need to renew a covenant of faithfulness. And I, wanna, I want you to say a prayer before we speak about salvation. And I want you to close your eyes. And If you want to pray a prayer of faithfulness, I'm going to ask you just while all eyes are closed, because this is between you and God. I want you right now, where you are, everyone seated, just raise your hand. Keep your eyes closed. Even if you're in your home, even if you're by yourself, just raise your hand. Even if you're listening to the audio, just raise your hands. Right, all those of you that have raised your hands, just repeat after me. Say, Father God, have mercy on me and forgive my unfaithfulness. Lord, I renounce all my unfaithfulness. And I renounce the unfaithfulness of my ancestors. I renounce the spirit of unfaithfulness. I renounce the vision of and the root of unfaithfulness. I apply the blood of the faithful one. I apply the blood of Jesus to my unfaithfulness. And I ask you, Lord, to exchange my unfaithfulness for the not my will, but yours be done. Come on, all of you say that. Say, for the not my will, but yours be done. The statement Jesus made in Gethsemane. Lord, exchange my unfaithfulness for faithfulness. I believe in the power of the blood of faithfulness to cancel the spirit of unfaithfulness of my life. Now keep your eyes closed. 
And I want you to make a covenant of of faithfulness with God. Make a covenant of faithfulness uh, with God with your eyes, with what they see, with your ears, with what they hear. Make a covenant with God with your hands, with what they do, and with your mind, which affects what you think. Make a covenant of God of faithfulness with your heart, that you have a faithful heart. Make a covenant with God to be faithful with your money. Make a covenant with God to be faithful with your tithes and your offerings. Break the curse by coming back and be faithful. Don't touch God's 10% again. Be faithful with what God places on your heart. And now I want you to see this as your eyes are closed. See the blessing that comes to the faithful one coming to you. Make a covenant and say, and I want you to repeat after me. Say, God, I want everyone to say it. Say it loud. Say, God, I want you to say it really loud like you mean it. Say, God, I decide today. Come on, say, say, I decide today to be faithful. I trust you that I will receive all the blessings of the faithful ones. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to give the Lord a biggest shout of praise here right now. Amen. Come on, really lift up a shout. Give a faithful shout of praise to a faithful God. The faithful, ever-loving God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will never let us down. He will never forsake us. He will never drop us. He will always be there. I want you to realize no matter how deep the depths of despair are that you're in, God will always be there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You will never be on your own. He will always bless you. He will always touch you. I don't care how deep the despair is today. I don't care how bad the COVID is today. I don't care what you're going through. He will always be there. If you lost everything, if you lost your wife, if you lost your house, if you lost everything, if you lost your health, He will be there. He will be there. I just pray right now that you just get this feeling in your heart of the faithfulness of God. Those of you that are sitting here, those of you that are at the sites, those of you that are at home, watching wherever, listening on the audio, my prayer is that you will just get a sense, a supernatural revelation of how it feels when you understand the faithfulness of God towards you. Just how faithful the heart of God is towards you. That even though maybe you've blown it many times in life, He is faithful towards you. And the blood of His Son, Jesus, stands today as it did 2,000 years ago. And all you need to do is to turn to Him and open your heart to Him. Let me tell you, He will touch you. Let me tell you, He is faithful in our unfaithfulness. 
And that's why He wants us to be faithful even to those who have been unfaithful to us. Because when we start doing that, we start being just like Him. And at the end of the day, there's two things God wants in our lives. The first is, is that we be saved because He wants to spend eternity with us. He does not want any of us to be cast from Him for all of eternity. He wants us to be right there in the new Jerusalem, in the heaven, right there with Him forever. He wants our company. Can you believe it? Miserable as we are. Complainers as we are. I mean, think about how much we complain. Just listen to talk radio. I mean, every, every caller talks in and complains. Complain, complain. They should call it complain radio. You know, they've got talk radio all over the world. People just complain, complain, complain. And even with all those complaints, God loves us. God wants to spend eternity with us. How much must... Think about our complaints. I mean, it's bad enough when we have a few people in our families who complain. It's bad enough if we've got a few people in the church or in our workplace that complain. But imagine, God's got to hear all of our complaints all at the same time, all the time. Every day we complain, He hears everyone. How many times do we complain about God? How much must He love us that even with all of those complaints, He sent His Son to die for us just so that He can have a relationship with us forever? How much must He love you? How much? How much must you love someone to take their complaints? And yet God does that for us. He does that for us. And you're special to him. Yeah, but I'll complain so much. I know. I don't know why he loves you, but he does. I don't know why he loves me, but he does. No matter what. And that's why Romans 10 verse 8 to 9, Paul says, but what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is why the life class is so important. What does that mean? What does that mean? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, I'm no longer the boss of my life, Jesus is. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You know, every other thing that we have in the faith comes from the fact that God raised him from the dead. If you believe God raised Jesus from the dead and you've confessed him as Lord with your mouth, you believe everything about the gospel. That's how simple it is to be saved. You know, how often are we unfaithful, but we, want, we actually wish we were faithful? How many times do we wish that someone could save us from our unfaithfulness? You know, God will. God will save you from your unfaithfulness. Jesus was faithful in the most excruciating circumstances right there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. When I come to the cross, when you come to the cross, an exchange happens. My unfaithfulness for the faithfulness of Jesus. And I want you to realize this is a serious moment. This is a serious moment. Because all of us, you know, who've given our lives, we need to take stock of faithfulness. And there are times we need to repent of unfaithfulness. But I want to speak now to those of you, maybe your repentance means you need to come back to Christ. Maybe you're needing to recommit your life to Jesus. Or maybe your repentance means you've never given your life to Jesus. And Jesus is standing before you with open arms. And as he stands with open arms, you see two holes in his hands. From where he was nailed to a cross for you and me. And he's saying, come to me because your eternal destiny is at stake here right now. I died so that you can live forever. You can be in heaven forever. And he's saying, come now because this is an altar. Come to me right now. At the altar, we sacrifice everything. We give up a life that is unfaithful, messed up. It's got so many things wrong with it. We take on the life of Jesus. He gives us his perfect life. 
And when you're doing this, you're saying, Lord, now is the time. Lord, I want to commit to you now because I can't wait another day. I can't wait until tomorrow. I don't know if I have tomorrow, Lord. I don't know if I'm going to be alive tomorrow. I don't know. This might be the last day of my life. So I want to commit to you right now, Lord. Because I don't want to live eternity far from you. I want to know that when my time comes and, that, and death comes knocking at my door and it's my time to pass away, I want to know that you'll be with me, that I will not walk the valley of the shadow of death alone. I want to know that it won't affect me because I'm going to live with you for eternity. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right now. If you either need to give your life to Jesus for the first time or you need to recommit your life to Jesus, just raise your hands right now. I want you to visualize Jesus now. He died on the cross for you. I want you to visualize Him and see the incredible act of love that He has for you as He's dying on the cross for you. I want you to see all the emotion He's got for you. How much He must love you to do that for you. And His blood is being shed for you. And now the Holy Spirit's telling you that as that blood's been shed, that blood is to be used to wash you clean of your sin. And that blood that had that power over 2,000 years ago as it was being shed on the cross has exactly the same power today because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you put your faith in Him right now as we pray this prayer. You believe what you're praying and you will be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. It's a spiritual thing that happens. And in the spiritual realm, you're made clean. And the Bible says you'll be justified, which means God looks at you as if you've never sinned. And so we're going to pray together, and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone to pray. Just pray loud. Say, Lord Jesus. Today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything that I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price that you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me of all my rebellion, all my sin, that you would set me free from any sickness and any pain. Lord, I accept that my debt has been paid in full. I accept by faith I have no outstanding balance with you anymore. That you paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And you see me as if I've never sinned. And that by your blood I'm sanctified. Which means you've chosen me to serve you. And I'm willing to serve you. And so today, Lord, I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.